Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the Department of Public Safety unveils the state's new driver's licenses. Minnesota boxer Caleb Truax gets ready for a big match in Minneapolis next month, and a big lake school is putting athletic signing days in the spotlight. But first, election security is a topic that made headlines everywhere this week. Close to home, it was a hot topic as well, with oral arguments in an appeal of a Ramsey County judge's decision last week ordering the release of certain public voter data. Dan McGrath with the Minnesota Voters Alliance explains why the suit was filed in the first place. Well, this is a battle that's been going on for some time. Um, Following the 2008 election, an organization that I used to be with called Minnesota Majority uh, was able to get access to this exact sort of election data. And that organization with um, citizen-led research was able to demonstrate that a significant amount of ineligible voting occurred in that 2008 election. Uh, That was kind of a black eye and an embarrassment to the Office of the Secretary of State, and subsequent to that, they clamped down on that very same election data. This data is crucial for transparency in our election process. As a partisan election official, the chief election official in our state who presides over the elections of himself and his fellow party members, we believe the Secretary of State should be held to the highest standards of transparency and accountability. Instead, he's shoving under the rug information that would demonstrate the existence of ineligible voting in Minnesota. Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon explains why he filed the appeal. Well, we think, uh, with all due respect, that the the judge uh, did not rule the right way. We think that the law says that Minnesota voter information of the kind that they want is private. And I think that standing up for the privacy of Minnesota's voter data is a very important principle. And that said, we'll see what the court does. We are seeking a stay of the court's ruling pending appeal. And uh, we'll just uh, leave it to the judicial process at this point. The Minnesota Voter Alliance's Dan McGrath explains why he feels the suit is so important. Recently, the legislative auditor released a report that demonstrated a significant problem with potential ineligible voting in our election system. And it is something that is not being investigated in the office of the Secretary of State, as far as we can see. Uh, The information that is needed for the public to scrutinize it is being withheld by the Secretary of State. And we're talking about potentially thousands of people who voted and then later failed an eligibility check. So either address didn't check out or it turned out they were convicted of a felony or they were under a guardianship in which the court had ordered that they had um, been disenfranchised. So this information would help the legislature craft legislation that would prevent ineligible voting in future elections. Furthermore, McGrath says... If we have a partisan elected official, such as the Secretary of State, running our elections and then refusing to make public the data that backs up those election results, we are no better than a banana republic. But Secretary of State Steve Simon counters... The office is a partisan office in the sense that people that run for it have a partisan designation, but it's very important that anyone in this office not put their thumb on the scale 
for any political party or any candidate. I don't do that. My predecessors haven't done that. That's improper. And I think I have a good record on that score. I was, after all, sued by my own political party. They wanted me to be partisan, and I wouldn't be in connection with the 2016 election. So I wear that as a badge of honor. Um, In terms of uh, confidence in our system, I think there's no question that Minnesotans, um, by and large, have tremendous confidence in the integrity of our system. And the reason I think we know that is because Minnesotans vote in such high numbers. We were number one in 2016. We're top of the list in the country uh, and have been for most of the last 20 or 30 years. And that wouldn't happen if everyday Minnesotans thought that the system was somehow biased or crooked or corrupt or anything like that. To the contrary, I think they think it's honest. They think it is run with integrity. And they know that because it's run in a decentralized way. Our office doesn't count a single vote. We don't own a single piece of elections equipment. All that's done at the local level. And people in Minnesota know that their local towns or cities or counties really do a good job at doing the frontline election administration. So I think in terms of confidence, we have it. That's not to say there aren't changes that couldn't be made in Minnesota or should be made, but I think we should put this in perspective. We have a really good system, regardless of who's in charge and what party, by the way, over the last 20 or 30 years, and we just got to keep it good. Looking ahead with regard to election security, Secretary Simon wants to reassure Minnesota voters... All the fundamentals are in our favor in Minnesota. We are a paper ballot-based system. Uh, we're not like some of those states you read and hear about that have touchscreen voting with no receipt or paper trail. In Minnesota, we are proudly old school. We are pen and paper at the polling place. And though there's an electronic component in terms of what the ballot is fed into, under state law, those machines can't and aren't connected to the Internet in any way during any of the tabulation process. We have a lot of checks and balances, too, along the way. Secondly, I would tell Minnesotans that when it comes to the centralized functions, the databases and other things that our office runs, we have been working tirelessly for the last two and a half years to three years with the federal government, with our local partners to strengthen, to patch up any vulnerabilities, to seek outside eyes and ears to let us know what they think uh, we need to work on. And uh, we feel very good about 2018. We feel very good about having minimized the risk. No one can responsibly say, whether it's in government or the private sector, that they've eliminated the risk. That would be an irresponsible thing to say, because you can't eliminate it, but you can minimize it. And we've done our very best, we think successfully, to do that. We're prepared. We'll see what happens. Thank you to my guest, Dan McGrath, with the Minnesota Voters Alliance and Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon. Of course, we'll have all the latest updates on the lawsuit. And as we gear up for the midterm elections, we'll also keep an eye on any interesting or significant information regarding election security in Minnesota. Minnesota Matters returns after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. 
That's two men, two X.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. State officials this week unveiled the new designs for Minnesota driver's licenses and ID cards, which will be phased in over the next four years as people's cards come up for renewal. There are some significant changes, and MNN's Bill Werner is here with the details. Scott, first let's get the basics from Department of Public Safety spokesman Bruce Gordon, who opened this week's news conference. We're unveiling a new driver's license and identification card design today, replacing the current design that's in your wallet that's been around for about 14 years. Driver's license agents across Minnesota will begin uh, issuing the newly designed cards for applications or renewals that are processed on or after August 6th. Several versions of the of the new identification cards. They all carry the new design with a few variations. Uh, the new cards feature the state of Minnesota branding and colors that you've become more familiar with as uh, agencies begin to use those. The custom background design includes a canoeist along the Mississippi River and a pine forest in the background. They're multicolored uh, design background elements. Um, there also will be different color headings to identify instruction permits. Uh, commercial driver's licenses, and other card types as well. The new licenses also incorporate new security features that make them more difficult to forge. A ghost image in the lower right corner is a repeat image of the card holder's photo. Also, the multicolored intricate background, which Gordon mentioned, featuring the Mississippi River, a canoeist, and a pine forest. And, good for us, Minnesota, there's also an image of a walleye embedded in the cardstock that can be seen by holding the card up to a light source. As Gordon indicated, the state will issue the new cards beginning the 6th of August. But if your license is not up for renewal yet... The current design in your wallet and the new design will be in circulation for the next four years, and both are valid forms of identification until they expire or they are canceled. Gordon says you do not have to replace your current license unless it is expiring or there is an address or name change. In addition to regular driver's licenses, enhanced driver's licenses will still be available, but they will also have the new design. The enhanced driver's licenses and ID cards have been available in Minnesota since 2014. They continue to be available today. Uh, These are cards that uh, allow Minnesotans to re-enter the U.S., Uh, at land and sea airports when returning from Canada, Mexico, Bermuda, and the Caribbean. The new design will be applied to these cards beginning in October. The difference you'll notice is the words enhanced driver's license at the top and then also the U.S. flag uh, uh, partially covering the, the picture. And Minnesota is also making available optional Real ID driver's licenses to comply with the new federal requirements. Real ID compliant cards, which have a gold star in the upper right corner, allow people to board commercial flights and enter federal facilities. Gordon has important information, though, about the timeline. Minnesotans do not need to take any action at this time to comply with the federal Real ID law. Minnesotans will be able to apply for an optional Real ID compliant card beginning October 1st, 2018, but they will not be needed for federal purposes until October 1st, 2020. So that means Minnesotans will have two years to obtain a Real ID compliant card. Of course, if someone wants one earlier, they can get it and it will be good for four years. But Driver and Vehicle Services Director Don Olson emphasizes. People do not need to rush in and apply for a Real ID card once they become available. People whose licenses expire between October of 2018 and October of 2020 can renew their license as usual. 
If someone has an identification card or driver's license that expires after October of 2020, they may choose to apply for a real ID card. An early renewal fee or a small surcharge will be applied if somebody chooses to and, and wants to apply early before the end of their expiration. And in the menu of new designs for Minnesota driver's licenses, there is a significant change for those under the age of 21. Those licenses will be a vertical format rather than horizontal, making the carding process easier in bars, restaurants, and other establishments that serve alcohol. Tony Chesick, head of the Minnesota Licensed Beverage Association, supports that move. For the hospitality industry, I believe we're probably the the heaviest carding industry um, that these IDs are going to be disseminated to other than law enforcement uh, when people do things right or wrong they get ID'd. our folks get get ID'd on a daily basis and um, I've been through the ID change we had the red border the blue border the brown border the black border and then the current IDs you have in your wallets and your purses right now uh, for our industry it's always a bit refreshing to have a new design um, far gone are the years where IDs are made in my, I mean, sorry, somebody else's dorm room uh, with an exacto knife or a pair of scissors. Uh, majority of those are, are being ordered off the internet, um, very readily available for anybody to purchase. And so, uh, with the company that uh, the state has retained to do these IDs, I think for us, it's, it's security features upon security features upon security features that are going to help our servers out. With your current IDs, um, the difference between that ID and an underage ID is the maroon border around the ID that says under 21. And in low lighting, like the deputy mentioned, we also have establishments with low lighting. And at times, it can be difficult to see that maroon border. Or in the date of birth, um, is even more difficult. With the current ID, it gets it gets dirty, gets dingy. It can be very difficult to read those dates of birth. So a vertical format is something that I've been uh, wanting for for quite a while, and I think it's going to be a good addition to our industry to uh, have our servers and our, and our and our owners and our managers and all the bar and restaurant staff that card people on a daily basis to be able to quickly identify an individual who is not of age. Captain Dewana Witt with the Dakota County Sheriff's Office says the state listened to law enforcement representatives and implemented a lot of their suggestions for the new driver's license designs. She says law enforcement needs to be able to see IDs in low-light situations and... We talked about bringing the dashes back to driver's license so it's not just a series of numbers and we can know and be able to communicate what the numbers are that we're seeing to our dispatch or uh, other fellow um, people that are working in public safety. It's important for law enforcement to be aware of the security features um, to ensure that the identification of the people that we encounter when we're doing our jobs is correct and that they are who they say they are. Well, my driver's license says that I am William Werner Jr., but Scott, unfortunately, even though I badly need a new photograph on it, I have to wait a couple more years. Well, William Werner Jr., thank you for that report. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The newly renovated Minneapolis Armory will host a big night of professional boxing next month featuring former IBF super middleweight world champion Caleb Truax of Osseo. Truax will fight Brazilian Fabiano the Pitbull Pena on August 24th, hoping that a victory that night will get him a shot to win back his championship belt. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with Truax this week to preview the big night of boxing in Minnesota. First of all, how exciting is this uh, back in your home state, in your home uh, city, to, uh, to be uh, fighting again? I'm excited. I haven't fought in Minneapolis in years. Um, I've, I've, I fought 
London, uh, Chicago. Uh, I fought up north at Black Bear Casino. I think that was the last time I fought here in, in Minnesota. But um, it, uh, it's going to be great. I fought, I think, three or four fights in a row at the convention center. We had really good crowds. And this is a much more intimate venue. It's, uh, it's going to be a little bit, uh, actually, a lot more rowdy in here. And, and uh, I'm excited to be on the car with Jamal and all these young kids that are coming up and Joey Abel if he makes the card. So it's going to be great. Tell me what the next few weeks will be like leading up now to this fight uh, a little over a month from now. Uh, so we got about, um, I think it's six weeks from Friday, I believe, and uh, that's kind of when I really start my like intense training camp. I didn't know I was going to be on the card until last week, um, so I had been working out, but not not uh, super, super hard uh, just to kind of give my body a rest. And so now I pick up sparring and, and uh, working out twice a day, every day pretty much, and i and, uh, got to uh, tighten things up and, and uh, just work hard. You uh, are going to try to reposition yourself for another title run. You've got, uh, you had a taste of the belt. You wore the belt. Um, First of all, what was that experience like being a world champion? And two, how hungry are you you to uh, get back into in the line to uh, to have a chance to win it back? Uh, You know, I uh, I was hoping to get uh, a crack at James Gill in the third fight, but he went a different route. So um, uh, we're moving on as well. And uh, I'm just excited to, for this fight to kind of get things moving in the right direction, you know, uh, um, to stay active, uh, sharpen my skills, and hopefully something, something else big arises after this one, hopefully for another title. Um, if not, I'll just keep plugging away until I get my shot again. Why do you think he wouldn't give you a rubber match? Uh, probably didn't want to lose, I guess. <laughs> no, he, uh, he thought he could um, make more money fighting somebody over in London. Um, I guess I don't blame him for, uh, for holding out to... Uh, to uh, try to get the biggest payday he can if he believes his career is coming to an end. So um, it's uh, no ill will or anything like that. I wish I would have fought him, but uh, uh, I don't blame him. So if you can position yourself back in, how soon do you think that uh, you could be back in the ring uh, with a chance to win the belt? Uh, hopefully as soon as uh, the, the two fights from now. You know, After this fight, maybe, uh, maybe this fall, maybe this winter. Um, if not, um, I'll just uh, try to keep moving up the rankings and, and uh, put myself in line for a title soon. All right, a couple of quick things just about Minnesota boxing. Let's talk about this building where we're conducting this interview, the, the, uh, the old armory, which is now almost new. I mean, it yeah, looks beautiful it, it in here. It ain't old no more. Yeah, it sure <laughs> is. T- take me through what your impression was when you came in and saw it the first time. And I know you watched a boxing uh, card here not long ago. Yeah, I watched uh, the week after my fight in Las Vegas, uh, Jamal James fought here, and uh, obviously I came to support him and and check out the new venue that I was hoping to fight in sometime soon, and it was uh, fantastic. Uh, Like uh, we set up on stage, there was a foot of snow outside, a crazy snowstorm that night, and we still got like 3,500 people or something like that in here. Uh, so it's it's a beautiful venue. It's uh, It shows well on TV. I had a ton of people um, tweeting me and saying, wow, this venue looks really cool, who, who have never been here and probably never been, been to Minnesota, you know, and uh, uh, it just, uh, it just is going to be a great venue for boxing in the future for Minnesota and uh, for national and maybe even international if we bring some title fights here. Yeah, and obviously you've been on TV before. This will be another chance to get on national TV, but also showcase your hometown a little bit with through that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've fought on ESPN here in, uh, on uh, at the Minneapolis Convention Center, um, and I think, uh, I think that's the only time I've ever fought on TV here at home, so this will be the second uh, on Fox Sports 1, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great way to uh, to uh, boost the economy downtown a little bit here and uh, uh, just provide for the businesses on that night and the night before or whatever and uh, just uh, celebrate Minneapolis. There's a difference too, right, between watching a boxing match on TV and then seeing one in person. For, for those that have never been to one and now here's their chance, or Twin City, well, heck, anywhere in the state or, or whatever, what, what, what's the, what, what can you give to a sales pitch to say you got to come and watch one in person? 
in my in my estimation, boxing is the best sport to watch live that I've ever been to. I mean, it's for for fifty dollars you can sit. 20 feet away from the ring and you can hear the punches you can see the sweat flying you can uh, hear the uh, everything you know and the, and the, the atmosphere is going to be crazy it's going to be a lot different than uh, uh, other sports if, if you're a fan of other sports try boxing too and you know what the pregame is or you know as you uh, the entrance is as much of a show as anything yeah, right yeah, yeah. I uh, you got to have the right entrance music you got to get uh, the crowd going and I still got to I still got to drop what I'm gonna come out to it might be some <laughs> prints to, to get everybody uh, fired up here locally but we'll see all right well great hey we look forward to it uh, I know that uh, you're excited about fighting in your home state and we'll see you in august i uh, hope to see everybody out and uh you like i said before come check out boxing if you've never seen it live you won't be disappointed that's boxer caleb truax and mnn sports director mike grimm for more information on the big event which will also include a match involving nationally ranked minnesotan jamal james log on to armorymn.com minnesota matters returns after this It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Cameras flash, microphones are turned up, and anticipation is high as an athlete makes a life-changing decision. That's a scene played out at high schools nationwide whenever a student athlete announces where he or she will play college sports. But in Big Lake, Minnesota, that scene comes with a twist. J.W. Cox has the story of one school's effort to bring the enthusiasm of a signing day event to the student body at large. Big Lake High School principal Bob Dockendorf created the Youth Apprenticeship Celebration and Signing Day to help solve a crisis of confidence in his student body. When students and parents come to meet with me, what are your plans? Are you going to college? Are you going out in the workforce? And then they seem to uh, lower their head. No, we're not going to college. And they saw, they start talking softer. And I'm of the other thought, no, there are so many great opportunities out there. And so I got thinking of what can we do? We then drafted a real simple uh, signing piece, and uh, we tried it out with uh, one of our bigger companies here in Big Lake. We started our partnership uh, that way. But I can tell you that uh, since we've simulated the celebrations that athletes enjoy, in creating the actual signing opportunities that uh, bring the business and students and staff and parents and, and the community together, uh, it just gives the apprenticeship some well-earned attention. It really adds that uh, celebratory piece. We see instant pride. We see all parties, like I mentioned, walking taller and with more purpose that so we've made them come alive. The buzz is out there. The kids talk about it. I eat lunch with the kids uh, just about every day. 
and they talk about it. And it, it's so much fun now because I know we hit big time because they're talking about down at the barber shop and at the beauty shop. When you can hit that level of notoriety, you know you're hitting hitting the nail on the head. The signing day itself serves as the culmination of a larger program Dockendorf started in 2012. I see what it does for our kids. I see what it does for our parents. And I am now seeing what it does for our community. In fact, we have partnered with the city of Big Lake. Sherburne County has been really good now. We're building these relationships, and the school has now become the center of the community. It's not in the community. We are the community. The idea continues to evolve, as does the community impact. Last year, we hosted our first ever apprenticeship fair. Companies and the organizations had to come and offer at least a job-shattering opportunity, and we ended up with 27. And I was on the phone at 11.30 the night before in my office turning away people. And I can tell you right now, we've already doubled that, and we haven't even sent out the invite letter. People are really reaching out and contacting us now. They they trust it. They believe in it. They uh, hear about it everywhere. I'm getting calls from large companies, small companies. It doesn't matter. Dockendorf says apprenticeships offered are on a continuum they call the three M's. On one end, it's modeling. Middle is manufacturing, and on the opposite end is mortuary science. So we've had exposure and experience for our kids along that whole continuum. And what's great is the parents and the students are now coming to me saying, you know what, my son or my daughter has been talking about some interest in this. Can you help us? Absolutely. So then I put it on our notepad and we start calling. Dockendorf says it is clear traditional models of higher education are not right for every student. It costs so much money, and we send them there to flounder. Our students need the opportunities where they can uh, experience these professional environments. It does drive their enthusiasm. I get challenged once in a while, well, you're a high school principal. What are, what are you uh, pushing them out of school for? Well, I can tell you what. Our system of having them in a one-size-fits-all format isn't right. We have them sitting in our classrooms learning electives, and we can have them out in the um, getting real-world experience. The model provides a specific job-embedded training, and it does address the mandated standards. At the core of the apprenticeship program is helping each student develop a plan of action for after graduation. When, as Dockendorf puts it, life starts to come at them fast. The success comes from when I see our students getting into a meaningful, purposeful, directional path for their life. Many people ask me and they think, oh, you're, you're trying to say turn them away from college. No, because actually many of our apprentices, after two years, the companies are starting to pay for their college to go to the next level. And so I see it as the college has a has a natural off-ramp from high school just because we've built it for years and years and years. We now need to really work hard on making that fundamental systemic shift to build this off-ramp for our uh, students so that we can meet their need. When the program was recently selected as a national pilot for science, technology, and math apprenticeships, Dockendorf jumped at the chance to share what he has built in the hopes of reaching as many kids as possible. And again, you can hear my voice. I'm passionate about it because it's the right work, you know. I also get told by my colleagues once in a while, Doc, you are uh, only a few years away from retirement. 
You know, you don't have to do this. I have to do it because it is the right work. If I see something and I have an opportunity to leave it better than I found it, that's what I need to do. And I'm obligated to do that. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, JW. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening. And please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.